0: Welcome to our podcast, As a Matter of Black. I'm Bowie.
1: And it's your boy, Osiris Bali. I'm bringing the renaissance with me. What's popping?
0: Ooh, renaissance, like black renaissance, like Harlem renaissance, like 1920s renaissance, or like a new millennium
1: renaissance talking about you know <clears throat> there's an art to everything and being it's an art mm-hmm. to being black and so you know we we're bringing all the different aspects of the arts in the art of being black we we push in that in 2021.
0: I like that um and before we that's a great segue to one of our topics before we do that we wanted to let everybody know that we're back with another episode. Thanks to everybody for listening and, you know, rating us and giving us reviews and feedback. Thanks to all of our past guests that were participating and people who are have agreed to participate in the future. We appreciate it. We're so happy that we get to share our thoughts and our Blackness with you and the rest of the world on As a Matter of Black.
1: Oh, dope. Dope, miss. <laughs>
0: So you mentioned, um, you know, blackness being in art. It was a great. That's a that's a perfect, you know, um, ideology, especially during this time because it's Black History Month. We're kind of wrapping up the last two days of Black History Month, but you know, for us, or at least for me, I can only speak for myself. You know, Black History is every single day.
1: Exactly. You know, we are um, to a friend of mine about different things, politics, um, education, all of that stuff. And one of the things that we walked away from the conversation with was like, we can't depend on nobody to tell us our history, but you gotta depend on us. Uh, So though we want, you know what I'm saying, these PWIs and public education to include black history, it definitely needs to be included. Ultimately, the responsibility uh, sits with us to teach the youth, teach the elders about Black history, because we all got a story and it's so important. But, you know, Sankofa, we got to look back in order to see forward. And we have to understand that, like, our history is so important. And when you don't know about yourself and your history where you come from, uh, it's hard to navigate through, you know, saying the odyssey in life. And so... You know, we gotta depend on us, man. We gotta, we gotta hold that tradition of the African storyteller, the the village griot, knowing our history to the point where we ain't even gotta look it up. We ain't gotta research it. We can just know it off the top of our dome, like the griot would spit the village's history about genealogy and and the, and the history of events. We have to hold that near and dear to us today as Black people. You know.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, black history is one of my favorite things. It, um, to learn about, you know, we come from such an amazing heritage and, um, one of the really cool cool things about black heritage is that it covers the gamut, everything from, you know, medical fields or STEM fields, you know, sciences um, to um, political fields, to artistic fields and musical fields. And, you know, black people were influential and um, trailblazers and pioneers in almost every industry you can think of. And so a lot of times for me, finding out, you know, black people doing amazing things and, and, in all sorts of realms is really important because, you know, um, it just speaks to like our richness and us being a multifaceted, like multidimensional, multi capable um, uh, culture and community. And so I always really enjoyed that. I love reading, you know, um, about Black historical facts and learning about, you know, Black people doing some really great things. And and to that point, you know, it's also really interesting seeing, you know, historical things happening right before us. Like actually like living in Black history is a very beautiful experience I can attest to. You know what I'm saying? Like living and experiencing things that are, in fact, you know, incredible. And I'm able to witness them in my lifetime. I think that those are things that we should also be conscious of, because many of us, you know, attend events and go to, um, to different art shows and, you know, go to concerts, whether they're local or wherever. And a lot of us are experiencing political and artistic and, you know, um, scientific, um history right now and we're living through that. And so we should also be very mindful of that. Um and share your experiences with other people so that they'll be interested in that as well. Um so for Black History Month, you know what I was have been doing is I have been sharing my favorite original um pressed vinyls on on Instagram and on Facebook. Um And it was kind of important for me to share original press vinyls because, you know, they are, in fact, by definition, like historical. They're like the very first um, press, you know, that ever existed of like an album. And so that's kind of been fun for me and um, cathartic for me to do this Black History Month. Have you been doing anything fun besides like being revolutionary? But you already do that already. So anything else Mm -hmm. besides that?
1: And that ain't always fun. <laughs> um, besides, no, no, uh, besides that, <laughs> I, I've been look, taking a deeper look into the different Black history around Arkansas that I didn't know about. I'm okay. like researching and trying to find out more information about the past here. I like that. That was, uh, you know, so I learned about the Southern Tenants Farmers uh, Union. So I've been just looking up on that and seeing how that all popped off. Because, you know, that the unions were a big, uh, played a big part in the massacres that people saw. It's like when black people wanted to finally like union and join unions and like protect their they status as like people that were working for a living and you know, have some job security, you know, that's when a lot of these, you know, white supremacists just couldn't take it. It was like, nah, man, we we thought y'all was done. We wanna, you know, we want y'all to just be slaves and just work and don't have any rights as a worker. And so just learning about that, the history of that, uh, that was the national movement, Southern Southern Tennis Farmers Union that started in Tyronza, Arkansas. You know what I'm saying, uh, that was that was major uh, for me this month. And then um, other than that, I just been, you know, of course, just trying to learn as much as I can about mu- black music and, you know, collecting the music and, you know, reading. <laughs> and that's pretty much been it for me, you know.
0: That
1: sounds very interesting. Yeah, most definitely so. It's been, a, it's been a cool month, but, you know, like you said in the beginning, you know, celebrating Black history every month. So we're just going to continue to carry this throughout the whole year. And, uh, you know, we ain't stopping at the end of February. We're going to carry it into March, and it's going to be uh, just, uh, you know, uh, the type of activity that just goes on for the rest of, the year and continue on to next year and on after that
0: i definitely agree black history for life i feel like it's the should be the mantra um so i guess you probably have been watching some really cool films um this month
1: well of course i think all of us you know i watched some pretty good films this month and the reason why I say it is because, you know, I don't think we had no choice but to sit in the house and watch TV during that snowstorm that they just passed.
0: No, that's really all, well, mm-hmm. I can't say the same. But, yes, <laughs> in theory, yes.
1: <laughs> well, I have, to, I have to go watch Judas and the Black Messiah.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, I watched it um, a couple of times, actually. I watched it like three and a half times. So I watched it twice all the way through. And then the second time I actually watched it, I only got about halfway through, but I thought it was a good film. What did you think?
1: Um, definitely thought it was a, a good film. Um, of course, man, you know, this is a story about, um, well, one of the stories about how the government infiltrated the Black Panther Party. And I've always, always just really um looked up to Fred Hampton yeah you know what I'm saying just you know just watching old videos and hearing him speak and he just like he like one of those people to me like like James Baldwin like whenever you like find some audio of James Baldwin it's like you always walk away with a quotable I mean and so and Andrew and for me James Baldwin and Angela Davis, like they always got quotables. Fred Hampton is one of the same people. And I'm not just saying that they just like the most memorable speakers, you know, black speakers that I know. It's just right. like, we often, we, we hear those, we hear, I have a dream all the time. We hear different parts about Malcolm X's uh, different uh, comments that he made in speeches into the media. You know, we, we hear Barack Obama's different times when he's addressed the world and the united states on tv and we hear those like that quotables was like over and over and over and so right. with fred hampton you know anytime that i actually saw him like a video or heard some audio of him it was like man he says something that just you definitely had to let it marinate so i was excited to see this movie on hbo max uh you know i was excited to see lakeith stanfield in the movie a brother named Daniel but you know I can't remember his last name but he played Fred Hampton right I mean it was a good movie it was a good movie man like I mean I think a lot of people definitely a lot of people don't know about Fred Hampton right Being a a young, charismatic, revolutionary leader in Chicago, the Black Panther Party, the chairman, Chairman Fred Hampton. And so it was up to me. I always enjoy these movies because people that I've been actually talking about and you know, reading about and researching like majority of my life, when they finally make it to like mainstream, I'd be excited to see them on mainstream. Yeah, it's movie or television shows or even just social media. And so yeah, I thought it was dope, man. The acting was dope. Um I think it gave us a lot of insight into like uh just like exactly. I mean, it was honestly, you know saying it it covered it tried it did its best job to cover like a couple of years of Fred Hampton's life, you know, just mm-hmm. in the Black Panther Party, because people don't know, man, he died at the age of 21. He's very young. 20, 21, I believe, right? Am I correct? It was yeah, it was. Okay, and so I thought it was just amazing to, to like you know, so i saying finally see like his story on, on the screen, and uh, you know, um, you know, just being just seeing it being brought to light. Man, the Black Panther Party did so much in the United States and uh, yeah. were just basically vilified by the FBI and the government. But a lot of the stuff that they did is a lot of the stuff that the government now offers, they piggybacked bandwagon, copyrighted, plagiarized, a lot of the stuff they did, but at the same time, they considered them the biggest threat to uh, yeah. to unity. And, you know, you, you don't have free breakfast and, and, and reduced and free lunch and stuff like that in the schools without the Black Panther Party introducing that. You don't have the uh, the free medical clinics without the Black Panthers introducing that. You know what I'm saying? You don't have uh, people talking about neighborhood I'm not gonna call it neighborhood watch because I think that's a little bit different now. But just uh, yeah, neighborhood uh, protection and yeah, activists and and a neighborhood involvement and engagement like they did protecting their communities. Uh, People who um, protected uh, having the right to bear arms and, and not just bearing arms, but like educating yourself. On your firearms and your rifles and knowing how to properly uh, use them, you don't get that without the Black Panthers. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of different education, and I know I'm not really talking about the movie just right now, but it's just that just it was important for people to actually understand more about the Black Panthers than just the uh, the black leather jackets and 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 guns that the media just constantly shoves in our faces. Yeah. Like really have a whole strategic plan and a whole uh, program that was had so much structure in it, you know.
0: Definitely, I actually did my senior paper on um, Huey P. Newton, the great American hero, so um, in high school this don't matter this don't make no sense cuz like i'm really old like i'm way older than that but for me it was just like very significant because we i remember like vividly you know in high school for like my senior paper and in my english class talking to my teacher and she had everybody stand up and talk about like the great American hero that they would be writing about and you know everybody was writing about Abraham Lincoln and like you know all these people like we might have had a few like Martin Luther Kings and you know I can't really remember other people's but like I stood up and I was like I'm gonna write my senior paper on Huey P. Newton and they was like who was that and I was like you know he was like black Panther leader like in Oakland. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and my teacher was like, well, I don't know about the positive. Oh, it had it had to be a positive, great American leader. And she was like, I don't know about positive. Um, and I had to do like, I, had, I was the only student that had to bring in a preliminary outline of like the positive things that he did in order for it to be green lit and get the clearance to write it. And I made a 98% the paper was really well but like she didn't give me a hundred because she was like the point of view or whatever was skewed and like the Black Panthers had like a bad um, connotation or whatever it was like some BS but I took my 98% and you know and graduated high school but I remember like learning about the Black Panthers like before then because I had kind of started into this whole like quote unquote like revolutionary thing I started locking my hair then I started like studying about like Rastafarianism and like I started asking just more and more questions about like you know the idea of like freedom and like liberation and like uh this whole idea about like uh, Black Pride was really something that I, I started on like right before I graduated high school a couple years before I graduated in like I kind of been kind of hanging out there um, ever since and so yeah like learning having um, the Black Panthers being brought to the forefront on such a big platform like HBO Max and people from all over talking about it and it's a really interesting like uh, situation because you know, for me, having learned and been learning about it and reading books, you know, um, and like I mentioned before, like, attending art exhibits and all these different things based around, like, Black Panther and the Black Panthers and their influence, and then you have conversations with people, like, your contemporaries, and, like, they don't know, like, they don't know about the Black Panthers, they don't know about Fred Hampton, they don't know about COINTELPRO, like, they don't know, they don't know. And like, here you are just thinking everybody know and it's like common knowledge, but like the fact of the matter is that it's not. And so I thought that was really cool. And you brought up a lot of points that, you know, they touched on in the, um, or a lot of points that the Black Panthers sort of helped to do, but you know, um, um, the other thing they helped to do was sort of like bring together quote unquote, like marginalized groups, for lack of a better word, like people that live on the margins of society, poor white people and like all these other like different demographics that were also like um, experiencing um, unfair treatment from a system, you know, that look, look down on them for whatever different reasons, like the Panthers were able to sort of bring them together and like form like a truce and a bond so that they can kind of um take their political commerce and like use that you know as uh as more strength and more power and you know that was something else that they did um sort of help help along the community so yeah the panthers definitely like influence um a lot of current modern day quote-unquote leaders their ideology is you know has been immortalized um
1: Mm-hmm. Their
0: their aesthetics has been immortalized in the likes of books and museums and movies and you know documentaries and you know um, it's a great starting place if you if you are someone interested in the idea of like black liberation and revolutionary revolution, if you're someone that's interested in the idea of liberation um, and the idea of organizing, and, and also in the idea of, you know what I'm saying, having uh, political access, because the Panthers were very, were heavily political, like, they were a very political organization. Um, and so that's, that's a good place to start, you know,
1: if you're interested. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm, I, I guess we can go into this movie a little bit more in depth, but definitely. Yeah. Panthers, uh, one thing, like you mentioned, they definitely show um, the power that you can create through coalition building. Like, everybody got their own, like, organization or their own institution or just their own beliefs. But coming together um, is a, you know, a great thing, especially when you're trying to make an impact on some of the same issues. Definitely. I mean, we hear Jesse Jackson all the time talking about the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, yeah. He he bit that. He bit that from Fred Hampton. He, <laughs> he did the rainbow.
0: No, no, I know, I know. I was just laughing because you know. Anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> he bit
0: it. it bit I know. It. Um. The interesting thing about the movie, since we've gone, since we kind of go ahead and trying to segue into that, is the, the movie honestly, really, sort of. Wasn't about Fred Hampton. Not like, not like that.
1: Yeah, it was. It had more to do with um with William O'Neill,
0: mm-hmm. who was an informant uh, oh, yeah. that was rec- <laughs> that was recruited by the FBI to uh, infiltrate the Black Panther Party and like uh, funnel back intelligence or like information, funnel back information from the Panthers to the FBI um, to try to like, you know, uh, I feel like, I don't know, I don't really know. I feel like initially they was just trying to like disband the, the, the Black Panther Party and like take away some of their political power by like imprisoning like their leaders and other members. But then I feel like eventually they just wanted to like kill the pair. Mm-hmm. Like they went from just trying to disband them and imprison them to like straight up like murder is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was the idea of the whole way, I don't know. But you know got it really violent very quickly.
1: I mean, but that's just a sign of the times with any uh, Black leaders that, you know what I'm saying, use their platform to voice their concerns about rights in the 60s and 70s. Like, I mean, I look at it like the government definitely just wanted to kill any Black leader that was, any Black leader that they could because they pretty much got away with it every time. Right. Martin, Malcolm, Megar, Evers. I mean, it, again and again, you know what I'm saying? And but it like you said, it just more about the movie is more has more to do with like William O'Neill, who's the informant that infiltrated the Black Panther Party. And uh, you know, that's how they did it. That's how they did all the people that I just mentioned, you know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. Martin Luther King, the reason the whole reason the whole reason why we even have photos of him being shot on a Lorraine uh, motel balcony is because Ernest Withers was there as a photographer in the Civil Rights Movement.
0: Yeah.
1: Later in like the early 2000s, it's confirmed after his death that he was a paid FBI informant the entire time he was running around with Martin Luther King.
0: Yeah, and the same for Malcolm X. Like All of these people have images right up until their assassination.
1: Yeah. So you know the, the the people were already there, people were planted uh, with William O'Neill, I think people didn't know as much as about him because you know he 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 had his hands dirty, but he was able to slip slip away in mm-hmm. uh, you know it shows it't show it in the movie, but he was able to slip away after you know Fred Hampton and Mark Clark were murdered, assassinated. Um, so I, I like seeing that part of his story in the movie mm-hmm. I feelings about it because I didn't know which was what was facts and what was fiction like it started right. with William O'Neill, you know carjacking, stealing cars or whatever and getting arrested by the police for, uh, for you know impersonating the FBI agent which I don't know if that was really true because the, the, the movie doesn't tell you but in the movie he's 17 years old I mean, in right. life, he was 17 years old when he got Black Panther Party. So, you know, I don't know if that was the crime that that he. I don't know if that was the exact way it happened, the crime he committed to start down that path. But if you look into his history, like you know, you, you know, he talks about the reason why he had to, you know, flip over was because he had had some cases where he had kidnapped, tortured. And, uh, you know, basically had like assault charges on somebody, you know what I'm saying? And then that's what made him flip over. So they don't even mention the whole impersonating the FBI uh, thing in his life. Yeah. uh, In his real life story. So, you know, it kind of starts off kind of like, I don't know if that was just done. You know, it kind of starts going to a whole nother place, you know, in the, uh, in the in the beginning of the movie, which we don't know if that's just done for entertainment purposes or what, because we don't know.
0: I mean, the most that I knew about dude was that he was a "quote unquote" career criminal, mm-hmm. and I mean, I suspect that in Chicago, that probably came along with some violence, and I'm sure like some theft and you know, you know, all kinds of stuff that that I'm sure he was doing. But yeah, they in the movie it made it seem like he was he was impersonating an FBI agent to be able to carjack people. Um and it was basically like supposed to be a little more disarming. According to him, he was saying that it was like more disarming than just your regular old like, you know, carjacker
1: in the Man, I but I find it hard to believe too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk I know we talking about a different time era, but we still talking about Chicago. Right. I mean, I don't mean, don't
0: mean I, brother's getting away
1: with impersonating the FBI agent multiple times is getting them is getting away scot-free like that, you know? Right.
0: Well, and I mean in the movie it goes it in the movie, it sort of shows how like people were kind of trying to recognize him and were suspicious of him and his story about impersonating an FBI agent. So mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his 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 he was his story was very um interesting, but yeah, I don't I don't know it's I feel like it's one of those like very complicated like you know stories that people hear about and think like you have people think one way about it and they're sold on thinking that way completely about it, and they don't really, you know there's no variation, and then there's other people that may have a different, Um,
1: point of view about it word word I mean yeah I I just I know a lot of people um, was looking at it for the first time and might not just fully understand what was going on yeah you know so I I, I just worry about accuracy in movies like that because people walk away from movies thinking like that's exactly how it happened (laughs) right Nah, but that's why I say based or inspired by true events you know so stuff like that you know so things yep. change when it once once it gets on paper you know what I'm saying
0: yeah so yeah I thought it was a good movie we would I would definitely recommend it um you could, and also do your own sort of research you know after to sort you know to you know kind of come up with your own conclusion about. The shenanigans that took place in the movie.
1: I think Daniel, however you say his last name, did a wonderful job playing Fred Hampton though.
0: I thought he did a really good job. I was very impressed because I didn't know it for I was I didn't see it for old Daniel in the beginning. But I think I did, I think he did a really good job. I was thoroughly impressed. And um, yeah. And the movie was also shot like very beautifully. Like every time I look at a movie like, like this, like historically you know a historical movie i just love to look at like the aesthetics and what they had people wearing and like the you know the lighting and all that stuff is really cool to me i thought it was like a beautifully shot
1: movie too um so yeah well you know what i'm saying i think people just need to go see it and kind of you know decipher it for them for themselves I think it's, you know, it's definitely worth the, the time and the look Learn, learning about Fred Hampton. I think yeah. it's definitely worth it. I think it's definitely important because there's so many different movements going on right now. William O'Neill, I, I mean, this is a lesson to everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not making excuses for dude, but this is the tactics that law enforcement does. Yeah. They on the most vulnerable people. And this is why we got so many cases in courts now where people just plea, don't even want to go to court or accept whatever deals they can because, you know what I'm saying, the, the coercion that goes on within the government, the corruption that's allowed, you know, yeah. take place. William O'Neill, I mean, 17-year-old, career criminal, and they used him to infiltrate the Black Panther Party and kill one of our most brilliant leaders. I don't, right. I, I, you know what I'm saying, some people say he's a victim, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, you know, as a teenage, as a, as a youth, you know what I'm saying? I don't think the government should be allowed to like use them as tools in their shenanigans to like overthrow organizations because they feel that they feel like they're threats. But yeah. like, at the same time, like, regardless if you're 17 or not, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you see you getting in tight in this group and, you know what I'm saying, you basically give them the blueprint to, like, basically assassinate them. I mean, I think after years and them hanging over your head that you're going to go to prison, like, you know, this is why you got to talk to your, your kids and your young people, man. It's like, man, don't get behind, don't get in that interrogation room and just start signing your life away and saying whatever they want to say and going along whatever they want to do. This is yeah. come. this this is why people get labeled as snitches. This is why how you become an informant. This is how you're used, you know what I'm saying? And mm. he, he had to go in the he had to go in the witness protection program after that. Mm. And he committed suicide in real life.
0: He definitely killed himself in real life after at, yeah. oh, yeah. after attempting bef- once before.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I, This is the so all you people be aware y'all starting all these little movements and you know you know Black Lives Matter spawn uh popped off for a lot of people all these different organizations and these different causes and stuff like that and people inspired to get out there and hit the ground and and voice their concerns but it's always somebody in the room that probably shouldn't be there it was always a few people that shouldn't be there and you got to be aware those snakes you got to watch the people that's close to you the most because they the ones. There no, were literally, yeah. All it take is all it take is one person who think they the captain or want to be the captain that want to sink the whole ship if they can't be the one.
0: All the yeah is one person. I mean, I totally agree. You know, I I feel like being black, like being a black person, is probably like the best in the most complicated existence an individual can have because there is sort of like a double conscious, a double consciousness that I think a lot of us sort of experience and like you mentioned like ain't nobody making excuses, you know what I'm saying, but like you people, 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 t- nobody's making excuses for anything but like I think it's it's really interesting to have this perspective about like the prison industrial complex and know and understand how horrible you know prison conditions are for for people and be an advocate for like uh individuals who are, you know, who have been sort of subjected to the criminal justice system, but then at the same time say, well, oh, he was a criminal. He should have took his time and he should have went to jail and he should have just, you know, fell on it, you know, did, you know, whatever, did everybody a solid. And it's just like, "But well, wait, you know what I'm saying? you, you, How are you advocating for a system, but then saying it's okay for, or advocating for the abolishment of a system, but then saying we're going to use said system to, you know, what I'm saying keep this person from not, you know, being an informant. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Does that make sense? Do I don't need to explain it more?
1: <laughs> As a matter of black, I underdig and smell everything you're talking about. Okay,
0: <laughs> so you know, I think we had to be careful, and I feel like somebody that oh lord it's like history month I feel like W.E.B. Du Bois So somebody talks about like this double consciousness that like black people have where it's just like you know what I'm saying we want to see liberation but like a lot of times like we we are so conflicted on how to get there you know what I'm saying like I think I think and this is related but kind of a different topic but I think I do think about our people and our leaders who put themselves in the in the face in the harm, you know, of danger every day on behalf of like our people, you know, and how taxing that could be for them and how unprotected they are, because they don't, they're not afforded the same sort of protection by the same system that they're trying to fight against. Um, And, you know, that's hard and not everybody is equipped to go to do that you know i'm saying some people take it on the chin all the time but everybody ain't equipped to do that you know i'm saying and so i think we kind of have to be aware of that as well that when you put yourself out here you know you're fighting up against the system the system as we know it that is supposed to be implemented for public safety but like when you're fighting against that system and there's nothing there's nothing to replace that system then you are out there on your own like don't be confused about that you know what i'm saying and you and like you mentioned with the black panthers and many many people have guns and you know have weapons and they understand laws that relates to weapons but they don't they don't save you you know there's been inst- that um was it I can't remember which gentleman it was, but the one who, you know, in, in, that told the police that he was carrying he was He had every right to be carrying a weapon inform the police, which is what you're supposed to do if you go and get your concealed carry license. You're supposed to inform the police that you have a weapon, hand the police your concealed carry card with your identification, and that got him killed. These laws and stuff that are enforced by the people that are supposed to be protecting us don't always apply to us and so you know I think that we kind of really just have to be mindful of stuff like that you know as we sort of place judgment the other thing is like you know you have to be careful about utilizing the tools that are in place by the oppressors that are used to oppress other people to oppress folks just because you feel like they was out of pocket You know, like if we want to dismantle a system, that means we got to figure out a way to replace the system. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I ain't even gonna lie to nobody about it. And that also probably ain't even in my wheelhouse. Like I may not even have the capacity to figure that out. But what I do know is that if we want to abolish one system, it must be replaced with another. And that we have to be very careful about utilizing systems and tools and methods that our oppressors use to punish and or you know banish or whatever um people that we feel like don't belong in our community um and i don't i had some other stuff to say but i can't remember
1: <laughs> it's all good to your selective amnesia you know what i'm saying good. but i feel you you know what i'm saying like yeah we can we can probably go on this go along this road all day long. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. What you said, but I just you know reiterate it like you say. Hey, if you're trying to destroy something in on the system, you know I'm saying you better have something else in place. They not yeah. let you destroy the master's house with the master's tools. Not at all. It's just not gonna happen. And so for everybody that thinks that it's just oh my God, I'm just so sick of talking people complaining about this. I mean, what are you going to do about it? Well, you know, part of the thing is bringing awareness to the yeah. people are facing. So you got to talk about it. Now, for the people that get tired of seeing the type of stuff on their timeline, hey, the best thing I can tell you to do is filter your timeline. Mute people, unfollow people. If you want social media just for entertainment purposes and no education, hey, be my guest. Taylor made Taylor, make your uh, your social media timeline to what you want to see and nothing uh, and, and see all that you want to see and nothing about what you don't want to see. But yeah. people are people are gonna get out here and get active and talk about you know what I'm saying destroying the system that is oppressing people. And so you know, but you know that's why people have stopped talking about reform so much because you know what I'm saying people are understanding that the prison system. Is doing exactly what it was meant to do. It was never meant to rehabilitate anybody. It was meant to uh, to legalize slave labor and slavery. It was meant to generate revenue and you know, saying get free labor out of people. It was meant to institutionalize people and not, you know, saying turn out. Individuals who turned over a new leaf in life. It was meant to basically destroy people's inno, destroy innocent people's lives. So they're right. forming prison. You know what I'm saying? Which, which right. is to abolish abolish as much as we can and and start over and and find new solutions. And so that's why people I've stopped using them. I still have used the phrase reform every now and again. But I try to take that out of my vocabulary and not even use reform so much because you can't reform a system that is doing exactly what it was meant to do.
0: Exactly.
1: And but, then to but the, the- But okay. there are tools and other things yes. that you can use. And I, and I say that because I do believe there are other things that we can, I, I, I do believe in having options. I'll say that. Yeah, but
0: I agree. Anybody
1: confused. <laughs>
0: And, you know, to your point you made earlier, you know, people that us kind of just out here as black people, like, you know, we being aware of like your rights. And like you said, getting these situations where you are feeling like backed into a corner by police, the thing that can keep you from feeling like that way way is knowing your rights. And, you know, Mm -hmm. here, here in Arkansas, You know, I know you are part of a big initiative that goes around and gets lawyers and other, you know, people in the justice system to, you know, place people with their game about knowing your rights, because that's very important, you know, and um, having your contemporaries and having friends around that you can talk to and have like, you know, sounding board for because like we're all a community and so you know there, there i don't want there to ever have to be a situation like this again where like and i mean i'm pretty like you said it's happening we we see that with um with which with your homeboy takashi takashi six nine you know uh, you know i'm <laughs> <not> my homie <laughs> there's somebody homie i don't know i'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm confused with one
1: of the mother weirdos
0: but we see we see it now with Takashi, you know. We know he got a he. We know he got a a, a wiretap. We're
1: these rats, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we know he got a microphone up under his uh up on his shirt, and he getting on Instagram live. We know he got a wiretap. Um, Vlad too. He another one. He don't need no wi tap because he just upload his stuff to dog on YouTube.
1: And so it's I mean, a bust- the feds watch YouTube. The feds watch YouTube. That's
0: what I'm saying. They watch YouTube, they watch Instagram, they watch Facebook. And so, you know, you just gotta be careful about information that you are disseminating. You gotta be careful about who you talk to. And I, real quick, you know, um I know this is about like about white people like. Whenever you walk into a, like, an establishment, and it's a bunch of white people, they get real quiet. And at first I thought I was tripping about that. But it's true. Like, white people have this thing about, like, secrecy. And, like, they don't want, like, certain information being out or like overheard about by, by other people if like you ain't a part of like the group like they start lowering their voice and start mouthing stuff and you know like I watch like a lot of people I, I people watch a lot of times and like I'm very observant and I notice that a lot about like white people and I feel like we kind of got to be the same like you can't be out here disseminating information to folks you don't even know you can't be out here you know people talking about oh I heard you um I heard and so sell this or I heard someone so do this no like no you didn't <laughs> like I don't know who you heard that from but like that's not true you know like we got to be careful about how we move like in these streets like what and, and you know and whatever entity like you are moving everybody don't gotta know what you got going on so nope. yes that's all i gotta say
1: <laughs> already so we're gonna code the station. you know what i'm talking about yes please <laughs> please take your Time with it, okay take your time with it code that
0: station
1: yes <laughs> already man okay well look y'all i mean like I, I i think that was a i think that was a whole lot for people to you know digest yes we be trying to spiritually feed y'all, but some of y'all be acting like y'all, you know, some of y'all be acting like y'all laying or hungry out here. So we'll 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 go somewhere else with it. Man, you know what I seen, man, that had me just tripped out. What? Man, it had everybody tripped out, man. I just the attention it got, because I don't really be caring sometimes. But it got it started getting so much attention, it was just almost hard to avoid, man, on social media. That gorilla glue glue girl, man.
0: Mmm, gorilla
1: glue lady. Yeah, I'm not like one thing. I'm not gonna do, man. I'm not gonna sit there and talk crazy, talk crazy about the girl for trying to do something to her head. You know what I'm saying? To make it look nice, cause you know, so I I respect the whole hair journey that black women like go through. You know, what I'm saying like I dropped that song "Happy Black Girl" because I appreciate seeing sisters with the natural hair and I'm not say I don't appreciate sisters who don't have natural hair. I'm just saying like hair is a big part of our culture, especially with black women. And so we know, I mean, we didn't see sisters go through multiple struggles just to have their hair looking like they wanted to look. I didn't seen girls, you know, sleep with their palm of their hand and they on their cheek and chin. <laughs> Because they ain't finna lay down and mess their head up with with bed head. They don't want to wake up with bed head, you know? Yes, agreed. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see, you know, women go sit in the shop for multiple days just to get their hair braided a certain way or have some type of hair, you know, some some particular hairstyle, you know what I'm saying? We just seen sisters do the big chop and say, I'm cutting it all off because I want to start it back natural and just continue on here. You know what I'm saying? So when I seen a girl go viral for putting some Gorilla Glue in her head, I had to do a little research. Okay. Because I know when I go to the, I didn't been in the hardware store and I didn't been in the little sections in the different stores where you know, you go get your, your stuff to, you know, do your handyman stuff. And that's the way the Gorilla Glue normally is. And so my thinking was why would you apply something that I didn't personally use to fix things? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why would you put that in your head? You know what I'm saying? And I ain't getting it. And then that's what I had to, that's what somebody told me. Well, there is a product out there called Gorilla Snot. Oh my God. I, had of it. I had never heard of it before and so I guess she saw the close core so I see the glow—the the close correlation of both of them having gorilla in the name I guess she took it upon herself to think that that <coughs> could be a replacement maybe she thought gorilla glue was like the off brand version of gorilla snot I don't know I'm just saying it's, it's like you know I don't, I, don't, I can't really put it. It's like, you know, people went to go get some Ralph Lauren polo, then they came back and they had another and they thought they had the Ralph Lauren polo, but they really had USS Polo ASN You <laughs> know, Remember that?
0: Yeah, the polo association,
1: right? Yeah, we used to call them polo assassins. Assassin, right,
0: I figured.
1: But yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's what she thought it was. Maybe she thought she got the off-brand version of it, the great value version of Gorilla Snot, if you will. But sure. Still, like I just like I say, as I as I go back to multiple trips when I was in the store, when I went to go get that, it was nowhere near the hair products. You know what I'm saying? And so, mm. I, that's what's just amazing about the situation. Now, I'm glad she got it out of her head. It was some doctor. It was some doctor that ended up giving her like a free, like I don't even know procedure. I guess you can call it because it wasn't no surgery. I don't want to say, but he ended up getting it out of her head. But that girl went like viral, like for putting uh, the 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 most super of super glue in her head. You know what I'm saying? To the point where she. Had, uh, had like thousands of dollars donated to her. Yep. And man, she had a blue check. She got a blue check now. Wow. She verified on my Instagram, she blue check status. So, I mean, I just, so and, and, and some people say that she did that on purpose to go viral. I'm just like, man, I don't know. Like, I hope she didn't really when out here, you know what I'm saying, in the marathon race for clout and put that in their head and uploaded the video, like, that, that'd that be the, like, that would be, like, real childish because, like, you could do some real damage to your to your head and your scalp mm-hmm. like that. Like, I, like, go ahead, I'm sorry. I guess, I mean,
0: I didn't really follow it that closely, but I did feel I felt like it had gotten it got out of hand like for no reason
1: at all. Like, huh? I said, "What you mean out of hand?"
0: As far as out of hand was like the GoFundMe thing, I thought that was like weird. The, you know, I think at one point in time there were articles being made about like Black women and their like the high expectations for Black women in hair, you know, cause this lady to want her edges laid kind of thing. And I was like, I mean, don't hijack a movement about black hair and make a correlation between a lady misreading a label and or like being uh, not knowledgeable about a product. Because I didn't, I was not under the impression that she did not know what she was putting in her hair. Like I thought she was putting, I thought she knew she was putting the hardware gorilla glue in her hair
1: mm-hmm.
0: i was not under the impression that she thought she had a, a very she thought she was using an actual hair product but was using gorilla glue on accident um, so that was not my impression so i didn't really buy into the whole you know black women have a hard time with their hair kind of thing um especially now and like not to say that like black women's hair issues have been completely eradicated like you know a couple of years ago when we first started the podcast I had a whole we had a whole conversation about black hair about the issues I had have when I had dreadlocks and issues I had going to the airport and you know them digging in my hair and, and carrying on and um So I'm not lost on the fact that like Black women have hair issues, but I feel like now more than ever, Black women's hair is, their natural hair is, or their Black women's hair as a, you know, part of our culture and as a part of our identity is, is really being embraced, you know what I'm saying, by each other, like by ourselves and each other, but then also like people leave us alone, like, you know, I the, I, the last couple of times I was in professional settings, you know, for like interviews, I was, you know, applying for like a leadership program, you know, I wore my natural hair and, you know, I ain't feel no way about it because I was just like, child, this is 2020. I don't want, I don't want, I mean, y'all should not be confused about how my hair look when it grow out my head, you know? And I wear my hair the same way. I don't really do much to my hair. And so I feel like now Black women's hair is being ex- is accepted or maybe not even accepted, but like people are less likely to make comments about your hair as a Black woman because they don't want you, you know, they don't want they to get their block knocked off, which would be the consequence. Oh, in this really?
1: If they phone knocks off the hook, they don't want that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, like I definitely agree that um we need to get out of black women's business when it comes to like, you know, what they do with their hair. What y'all do with y'all hairs is what y'all wanna do with it. You know what I'm saying? It's you, it's yours, and it's unique and Everybody been jockeying anyway, so you know what I'm saying, like right? but, you know what I'm saying, but you know, we um, you know, we we can't let the media like, you know, saying continue to try to control the narrative about what's acceptable when it comes to like what we want to do with our hairstyle. Cause they never have anything to say about anybody else, you know. No. Yeah. I mean, I I I always think it's ridiculous, man. They they I don't know if they still do it, but in like England, like them dudes be wearing. They sometimes them dudes still pop out with them little them little wigs, you know, <laughs> yeah. Napoleonians and stuff. I mean, that's ridiculous. Hey, Agree. You ain't never in your life had a cotton ball roll down <laughs> uh, a foot of hair all white, all Snow White in your head, but you want to pop up at the Parliament like that? I mean, right. That's ridiculous to me, you know, <laughs> You know that's ridiculous. But ain't nobody ever said y'all look ridiculous. So, you know, I just be like, you know what? Leave black women alone because, you know what I'm saying, they the originators of this shit when it comes to this, knowing how to do some hair and, and show, you, show you a miracle. I just, one thing I just say, I hope old oh girl do something positive with herself. Because another thing, because we obviously we be knowing that black sometimes don't never have to crack, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I seen old girl, man, I thought, I was like, this poor little thing right here, this little 22-year-old, 22-year-old, she's just trying to do what she can do in her little college dorm room, she's she trying to do her little, her, at her apartment, because she, you know, she's trying to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And she might be trying to make ends meet, but the lady was 40. She's 40. I was like, oh Lord, is she 40? You know what I'm saying? She got
0: kids of her own.
1: Then I was just mind blown. I was like, hold on. So you, you got a whole lot of experience doing stuff to your head. You got at least a good 20, 22 years of doing your own head probably or doing stuff to your head. I'm like, man. Then you should, you, you should have definitely been researching the labels and the ingredients and all that type of stuff. Cause you just don't do that type of stuff when you, when you get to a certain age. When you get to a certain, I'm gonna say when you hit, when you hit your like, when you hit your like mid twenties, that's when you start looking at what's it, the ingredients and damn near everything.
0: Right. Agreed.
1: You be looking at. The, I'm talking about the the stuff that you eat. The stuff that you put in your head, people be like, uh-uh, mm, "Nah, can't use this to deodorant. They got aluminum in it." Uh-uh, nah, nah. Yup.
0: I just, I just literally sat here and read the back of my uh dishwashing liquid ingredients.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I was like, "Oh no! It it was, it was nothing in that on that on that label that this didn't say don't put in, don't get near your eyes, your lips, and your and your scalp or whatever. I don't know." But didn't it it say something on that little bottle to be like, this probably the best time to try to get my hair to slick back down with this? Right. I
0: mean, because like you said, usually, you know, on the back of stuff, like on the back of hardware products or any products at all, it's got some kind of warning. It's like, don't swallow or, you know don't get it on your skin like I remember using um using a, a um a mosquito repellent one mm. time and you know I was terrified it had this stuff called deep deep in it and it, it it's like a, a very strong like chemical agent it's like a repellent for mosquitoes but you know deep had dead joint had all kinds of stuff you couldn't do it was like don't don't let it fly in your face like don't inhale it don't let none drop in your mouth like don't let it touch your skin you know don't uh let the clothes dry for you put them on for at least you know 48 hours and i was like damn you know am i gonna die from the deep I, all i wanted is to not have mosquitoes you know like all i want should not get be get beat by mosquitoes but I feel like at this point in time, a mosquito bite is safer than the D that I'm getting. Right, <laughs> <spray>. I'm using. <laughs> I'm like, I was just like, I think I would take my chances with a mosquito. And so, you know, like you said, like, you know, and I don't really do chemicals like that either. You know, I mm-hmm. really have a real different thing with like pharmaceuticals. And, you know, I'm just real different. It's just, you know, like, I won't take an aspirin because like, I may have a cocktail or two and it's like oh you know don't take no aspirin you know don't have two or more cocktails and it's just like oh well well I'm going to have two or more cocktails so you know I guess I can't take this aspirin <laughs> I guess I can't take that you know like every time I go to the doctor they're trying to give you a pill and you just be like no because what can I not do and it's like well I'm going to do that I'm going to do that I'm going to eat after 7 you know what I'm saying, I'm gonna participate in these activities. And so I can't partake the pharmaceuticals for that reason. And so, yeah, like, you know, I read the instructions on conditioner, shampoo and everything because, you know, I I just worry about adverse reactions. That's all I I worry about. I would have a, I don't wanna have any kind of adverse reaction to anything. So I need to have my bearings about myself before I consume and or use a product. But yeah. so that's just me.
1: I mean, I, like I said, I think that by your mid-20s, I think everybody started doing that. You'd be like, looking at the packs, like, mm-mm, they got pork in it. Uh-uh. Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You 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 go out your way to make sure, because you know, because everybody know, man, you know what I'm saying, we don't never want to accidentally consume or get, uh-uh. get things that are harmful or we're allergic to. uh uh-uh. I mean, come on, man. You look at these commercials on TV now, somebody, you want to take some medicine to fix your problem, then you start seeing all the side effects, you be like, man, you irritable bowels, constant dopamine. <laughs> Problems, uh, right? Straight on this, whatever they are offering to, to to fix my uh, my eyesight, I'm straight on that. I just <laughs> I just put it out of these glasses because uh, nah, I ain't trying to deal with that. You know, so breath, all that type of stuff. You know, hey, you know, you people be, we be looking for, out for the side effects, and we be looking out for the for the caution. You know, so
0: me too, all the time. I literally just went, got on my Instagram, and did a whole thing about. This birth control method that I saw that I was interested in until they got to the side effects. And I just was like, no ma'am, no ma'am, no sir, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it.
1: Well, I don't even want to know what the side effects was, but I'll,
0: I'll have to talk about it on another episode.
1: Already. Okay. We'll talk about it offline and maybe maybe it'll make it. Must have been something nasty. It was horrible, horrible. Uh,
0: but yeah, poor Gorilla Glue girl lady, you know, next time. She ain't see. She
1: making money. Huh? I said she ain't, pu- ain't poor no more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, rich or semi rich on the way to becoming rich, uh, Gorilla Glue girl lady. The you post know- is
1: monetized now. <laughs> the posts are monetized. She gets paid girl- for the views and the clicks now. Girl, we hope you get
0: an endorsement with Gorilla Glue. And the next time we could on um, the see a Lowe's or a Home Depot commercial or a Gorilla Glue commercial, because Gorilla Glue got commercials. So girl, mm-hmm. next time we see a Gorilla Glue commercial, girl, we hope you are the spokesperson for Gorilla
1: Glue. Man, I don't even want to see that, I don't think. I do. <laughs> <laughs> this I, I want to
0: endorsements,
1: but we don't need her story, gorilla Gorilla Glue story to just. Um, to- yeah. Making you know, commercial. Sis
0: needs to be there on, as a commercial. <laughs> and she needs to have them one of them fast talking disclaimers at the end. It's like, do not put this in your hair.
1: Oh, like, you, know, you
0: could mm. I could be the marketing person for the gorilla glue. Gorilla Glue, call me.
1: Okay, oh, call
0: me and I will set up the commercial. I will give you the creative direction to do commercials with the Gorilla Glue hair
1: lady. Yeah, all well, she,
0: she get paid. We all get paid.
1: Already, well, scratch her scalp for like five weeks or whatever. So I hope hope some come out of that good. Yeah, you know, I'll just say any, any compound can be broken down. So shout out to shout out to people who who know about science and who helped her who helped her get her hair broken down, so it'll forever be unbroken.
0: Yeah, and hopefully next time she will read the, the instructions and, or the labels so that she doesn't make this mistake again.
1: Every day I read the labels, lady. Right. Oh, What's up with you though now? What, what else you got going on?
0: Man, not much, you know. Just trying to, you know, still brave the storm with the um, with the pandemic because, you know, we still in a uh, we still in a Pontiac G6 in the in the in, the, in the, Pontiac, <laughs> the Pontiac the Pontiac is trying to take us He's trying to take us through there because the Pontiac has not lit up we've been at the Pontiac for a year now you know what real quick hold on wait I'm so glad you asked me this real quick and then I want we could we could change but I have I feel like I have a buoys corner like I feel like I have a buoys corner like a two mm. to five minute buoys corner Y'all, we have literally been living through a pandemic since, like, February of 2020. There is no reason for TV shows and or movies and or any type of, like, fictional content to be making us, like, relive through the pandemic. Like... I want to go back to the day and time where something can happen in 1920 and then me as a young person in like 2015, I can watch a movie or see a documentary about something that happened like a hundred years ago and feel sad because those those poor individuals went through that, but like not have any sort of like correlation or like adjacency to that. And that just be like, dang, that stinks. I do not like this period in which we're living, like where I got to relive something that I'm already living in. Don't do that to us. (laughs) Don't do that to us, you know? Like the last, I've I've been watching movies and like shows and stuff recently, and they are making us relive the pandemic on the show. And I'm thinking, what kind of sense does that make? that don't make no sense, you know? Like, give us some time to get through the pandemic before you start implementing it and making it a part of like your storyline on a TV show. Am I tripping?
1: Man, see, I mean, no, you're not tripping, but I don't think, I really think your, your request gonna fall on deaf ears. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's every that's like a part of everybody discussion every day almost. It's like I can't we can't get around every day is a discussion. It's something mentioned about COVID-19, about a pandemic, about masks, every day. And I, and I feel like the people that are like writing these shows and you know, writing these movies and these skits and all of that stuff, like, it's just naturally going to, like, fall fall into that. Like, i seen a commercial for Tyler Perry. I guess what's supposed to be his last, his final stage play, his final uh-huh. play or whatever. Uh-huh. They show, like, little clips of it and talking about it's going to air soon or whatever. And then, then his joke in there, he's like, uh-uh, get back. And you he, he, might have that COVID-19. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was, like, the, said as a joke to one of the other characters on the show, I mean, on the stage play. And I was yeah. like, we have really gotten to that point where it's like, it's been a year and it's still going on. And so people have been writing and been creating the whole time. And, and now we still in it and the material, they just basically like, can't let these, this material sit, sit no longer, might as well just go ahead and put it out. I mean, I've been watching movies and stuff too, and they mentioned stuff about the pandemic. I I right. told you about that one movie that I saw. Uh, that's what I seen on Amazon Prime. He mentioned it in that movie. And it was yeah. a, that was the movie we had a conversation about offline. I told you about. It. I remember, yeah. Yeah, but I, I just really think your complaint gonna get, gonna fall on deaf ears. But I. I feel, feel ain't nobody trying to muzzle you ain't nobody trying to do that you know talk your shit speak your, speak your shit from your heart you know what I'm saying maybe and maybe you will get what you are asking for you know i
0: mean I, for me i just think it's frustrating because many of us who turn to tv and watch stuff we are literally it's a form of like escapism like you know many of us have all kinds of uh, you know Uh, activities that provide escapism for us and for me television is one of them and this may actually force me into finding another activity like I used to be an avid reader I am really much of one these days but I feel like TV and the onset of us having to relive COVID-19 while we're actually living in COVID-19 is gonna force me to not watch TV because I don't want to relive that mess like I don't want to like I must have watched the show yesterday. I was kind of excited about it coming on. In the first episode, they was talking about COVID-19. Then the second episode, they they got the people closing the stores and the restaurants and stuff. And then somebody going to put a sign talking about, oh, we going to be back open on April 19. I was like, the hell you will? The hell you going to be open back on April 19? Then I got pissed because I was like, my nigga, do we got to relive? store closures and local business closures for MFN GD COVID-19. I don't <laughs> want to do it. Hey. I do want
1: it. I don't want to do it. Hey, hey y'all, I'm about to side with Bowie. Y'all y'all got her stuck in a time loop. <laughs> hey. hey tell the devil tell the devil to get up off of you. Tell the devil to lose you. You don't want to relive this stuff.
0: Please lose us, devil. Don't make us relive it. Like give it, give that to us. I, I would give y'all a good two to five years. You know, like I'm not saying you got to wait 30 years to relive COVID and implement it in your content, but give us some time. Like they over here just now rolling out the vaccines. Like we not even really fully able to live life yet, still. Don't have us living through this mess all over again. Like it triggered me the the open april 19th was what set it off like it was already bad but when i seen the sign about we're gonna be open in two weeks because you know they gave us the two weeks thing like be locked down in two weeks and it's been a year don't do that to us y'all please don't do that to us now please because now i got to wait three years for i watch the show is what i feel like like i feel like i can't watch the show and I got to wait, like, and watch it in 2024 or something.
1: Well, is has it made it into the music? Because I've been seeing it on TV. Has it made it into the music yet?
0: It has. Two chains, you know. Two chains. His his last album was about you know COVID and quarantine thick, and you know his album slapped though. Um, yeah. uh, Anderson Pop you know, made an album or he had a single about, it was more so about the protest, but then he was talking about like COVID. One of my favorite like jazz musicians, he released a um a live album that he recorded right before the shutdown. And he talks about, you know, covering your mouth and not sneezing and stuff while they was in public. So it's been making it into music. Um, But one of the albums that doesn't it doesn't bring up COVID. Is is "Hotels" by Jasmine Sullivan? Have you have you listened to it?
1: Listen to it one time. <laughs> Listen to it one one time all the way through. And and uh, you know I know it's I said it like that, but I mean it's a short album. It's not a very long album. So right, it's it's long,
0: but it's short. So it doesn't have that. Doesn't have that many songs, but there is a whole lot of like in- interludes in between each song. Yeah. So that takes up space and time.
1: Yeah, you know. The interludes <laughs> got me, man. What'd you say? I said, the interludes got me.
0: Man, I absolutely hated the interludes. Like I was completely and entirely over them. I wished that either there could have been better skits or something, or there could have just been more music, or they they could have just taken that out and not added more songs. And it could have just been an actual EP with the songs that was given to us and not anything
1: else. Yeah. You know i think now man people people really like to um run with the concept of these albums now mm-hmm. some artists do and uh i agree and yeah and i just think that you know saying yeah that was that was her concept that she wanted i, I think she wanted to give voice to the women to talk about their relationships and whatnot but like I'm like you though, like real talk like uh maybe I, I was looking I was just look listening to it because I want to hear her music and hear her sing, so the interludes with the with the, the 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 tales that she as she put it with each each person like telling their own story I mean uh yeah, it was it took away from the album to me man you know said because I was just like I just want to hear some of your music man. But I understand the concept of it, but people in them interludes be killing me. <laughs> they be killing me, man. It's because, like, cause then I just I, I want to be like, man, why don't you just go and put a spoken word album out there? Yeah, that's an yeah. option. Yeah, it's like, but I say that to say because it's like, man, like spoken word is looked at like it's so corny. But like a lot of times i feel like people when they get into these little interludes it would be sounding like open mic stuff anyway i uh, i would
0: 100 percent agree like said, i honestly mean. feel like her the the ladies could have really just gotten to like some poetry honestly
1: yes or i look at it like i think it would have been i think it would be dope to do that type of stuff like live as you transition in between songs because it's like, that creates that intimate feel like that an Unplugged MTV would have had. Like, that's basically what Lauren Hill did in between her songs when she did her, her Unplugged and she talked between them. And, you know, that's, a, that's like more performance vibe. I don't really look at it like that's really like EP album vibe. Like when you right. like, got those talking interludes. Now, back in the day, like 112 would do interludes where so they would just like, it would be like not. It would be like a snippet of a song or night, like, like a uh, not, not a full song. I like those type of interludes.
0: Yes. Um, what you call it? Calvin Richardson does stuff like that too, and
1: yeah, like I like that type of stuff. But like she went in, she that that stuff started. Man, just one of the things that uh, tripped me out, like by Kendrick Lamar. He he like to talk sometimes. After the songs and stuff like that, or uh, uh, like he had some good interludes. So sometimes you'd be like, you'd, "You'd be like, what's what's going on?" And he did like a little bit of that talking on Damn. But the funny, the funniest interlude I ever remember, and I'm sorry, was was that brother Life Jennings.
0: Oh my God! Here
1: you go. <laughs> <laughs> yo, here you go. yo, stop acting like y'all. I remember Live Jennings used to when he came out. Everybody, I remember Live Jennings because I was watching TV one day and I saw him come on Apollo back when that used to be on TV. Or I don't know if it still do come on TV, but he came straight up out of prison to Apollo and came with his guitar and told his story and like well, did a little brief little telling of his story and then. Um, you know what i'm saying he he played his song and so i was like man i'm gonna be checking for dude music and when he came out with his album like he wrote all the songs on there i don't even think he had no features or nothing but after every single song he had to like lead it to the next song with a little story and I remember, man, it was like, you know, he had a, he had a song. Every story pertains to like, every story pertains to like the next song. And so I just remember that because he basically in his first album talks about how he got out of prison and then he, he, he found music and all that other type of stuff. And then that's basically how you see life genesis today. And he did that on the second album too. But, I mean, it took away from him hearing him speak after every song. It's like, brother, just go ahead and sing your song. You ain't got to explain. <laughs> he, was, he was talking about being a nice woman. He was like, and hey man, I thought I just met the, the, the most nicest woman in the world. And, you know, I thought we was in love and everything. And then I found out she got kids. Damn. She got kids. I'm like, no, nah, man, you don't, you, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, prep us for your song about this woman having kids that you would love with, like, with your little story in between the song, and it just, I, like I say, it just took away from the, from the flow, because you be hearing songs like, like on James Sullivan or Hotels, and she got that song on it with Ari Lennox, and then... It- after that song or whatever you just you be like damn I want to play that again or you just be like well, what's going to be next or whatever like that and then you got another spoken word piece you know what I'm saying it's-
0: yeah I mean I feel like there's like creative ways to sort of get the point across like I feel like Beyonce did a really good job you know I'm not a mega fan of Beyonce but I feel like she did an incredible job of sort of like crafting this concept album you know what i'm saying and she she had like sort of interludes i think like she had like two editions of her lemonade album it was one that had like the poetry and stuff she actually used poetry in between her songs like actual poems like she hired poets to write and you know actual like spoken word pieces um, for her album. And then she, you know, included that in her video. Yeah. Um, and so I could appreciate that as sort of like a concept piece. And, you know, for me, I feel like maybe, maybe the girls, like if she was going to include it, maybe she could have just included it at the very top of the album or at the bottom of the album. Cause it was ve- they were very short like snippets about their experience where they could have been consolidated into actually one whole track like it didn't have to be all spread across the album like I thought that was really like kind of whack um but one of the uh interloop- interludes that I enjoy is actually like we're talking about Beyonce but I really enjoy Solange her um, at the seat of the table, I thought it was so cool with her, you know, getting Master P and her mom and her dad to um, to talk throughout the album. I really enjoyed that um, because it was very like concept driven and it was all sort of on the same topic. And, you know, I don't know, I really appreciated like the kind of how that was broken up and the different elements that brought to it but I also like really ghetto, like hood interludes, like Project Pack has some really fun interludes, and Project Pack actually made his interludes a part of like songs, like he got this one song called Out There, where it's just like, (laughs) at the beginning of the song, it's like him and his dude talking about some dude, (laughs) some man, like first of all, they like out here drinking like 40s, and they like asking each other to like them like a beer and then he's talking about some dude like uh why he on the corner like we don't know like what he got going on and it's like right at the beginning of the song and i personally think it's perfect like i think it's a very <laughs> perfect like beginning of a song like I had to listen to it it's called out there and like i used to listen to it every day but i haven't listened to it that much anymore but maybe I'll listen to it after we finish this podcast.
1: Um, hey, Project Pat is uh a legend.
0: He's a legend. He's he a legend. And
1: if you don't know about no Project Pat to all, you better hey, you know what I'm saying? Hey, that's one of my favorites right there, man. I think Project Pat, man, he needs to just pop out somewhere he Agreed. agree show. You know, he, yeah. His music is his his music is timeless. His music
0: is so timeless. I enjoy him so much. Like I love listening to just random tracks by Project Pack. Um the other person I was gonna mention is Ludacris. Like I remember listening to Ludacris when he first came out, and he had some of the craziest interludes and skits. And Mm -hmm. some of his too would be like actual tracks, but some of them will also be tacked on to like the very beginning of a song. Um, and so he's very vulgar, so I'm not gonna really get into ludicrous like that, but Mm -hmm. I can't remember like what was his uh word of mouth album? I think it was his word of mouth album that had like crazy interludes, like crazy, but they were very enjoyable and random, but you know, they, I feel like sometimes like, maybe the whole concept interludes may kind of be whack, but like like the, but I guess like what you've mentioned with Life Jennings, he does interludes before, like that are related to the song, but I feel like sometimes like very random interludes that they're just like sporadic kind of, I think I enjoy those more.
1: Yeah, I mean honestly, interludes, I, I think, I think it's through our conversation, what I realized is interludes are a risk. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes they can be very engaging and captivating. Mm-hmm. Sometimes times it make you be like, dude, can you just go back to singing and rapping again? Or can we skip? Can you consolidate these for us, please? But, right. I love Jasmine Sullivan, and one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest things I've always had, as far as like to say about Jasmine Sullivan is, is I wish that she had the creative control and the budget and the promotion and the support that Beyonce has, because like she is like one of the greatest vocalists of our era. Agreed. In music, like you you can't people can't out sing her. No. Just, it's just straight up fact. The thing she can do with her voice, and then it's crazy. Like her story, like it's like it's like wow. Like she was one of those kids that went to Apollo and killed it. And you mm-hmm. know, like you know Questlove. He 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 talks about it at one point. Like Quest people look at Questlove now, but like back in like the nineties and stuff like that, Questlove was just a drummer for Roots. Right. Since then, he's you know been the musical director for Jay-Z and on television shows and put together whole tours and been the musical director for whole tours and award shows and all types of stuff. But then back in the day, he was just, you know, drumming for the roots. But he talks about how like Philly, Philadelphia was like, had a, was a hotbed for just talent. It was so many rappers and so many soul singers and producers and musicians around there. And basically how his band, the Roots and stuff, were like a house band at the open mic. And so everybody wanted to rock with him because it seemed like if once you started rocking with them, your career started taking off and people started getting record deals and signed. And it's true because people like Jill Scott, mm-hmm. Child, Bilal. Bilal, and Kendrick, yep. the, they all started rocking with the Roots and um, Philly on the open mic scene. And that's what like propelled them. You know what I'm saying? Even with, you know, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, you know, people people were signed to his record label, Touch of Jazz Records, and people were, like, getting, he was breaking artists on his Magnificent uh, album and stuff like that. But Jasmine Sullivan, like, she was young. and She was, like, 12 years old, and, like, they were so impressed with her voice that she was able to go rock out with different adults and different bands. And Questlove was like, man, I can't take this girl on tour. She ain't nothing but a kid. Like, he was like, she, he was like, I couldn't take her on tour, man. Like people was, he was telling the story. Like, man, people was, people was looking at me. Like that's your, that he's the guy that can help you prepare your career and just take you out. And he was like, he had to tell her dad, like, nah, man, I, I think she dope, but she can't hit the road. With with us on tour because she ain't nothing but a little kid. We I can't be responsible for that. But luckily she still blew up. But I, I'm sorry I went into that whole little story. Or whatever. No, that's okay. It's a
0: good story. Like um, yeah. yeah.
1: But I always wanted her to have like that same like mainstream success. It's because like I want. I'm a fan of her. I like the different songs that she puts together. She always come out with something creative. Like I even liked her reality TV show album or reality show what it was called
0: yeah i thought that was a good like a really good album too.
1: Yeah, but she but she just doesn't get the same type of uh support from her label to like so, she, can, she can never reach that bust the window status again it's like she put out a good album and then it just it it, she, it does well enough for her to keep a career but she doesn't reach that superstar status that I think she deserved because she's just so dope to me. But you know, I agree.
0: I think she is very dope, and I think for me, I feel like what her what her dilemma is is like I don't think that that she has like a quote unquote like superstar personality. Like she's not like she's she is top tier talent you know what I'm saying, but, like, she isn't, she's not, like, a pop star, like, she doesn't give me, like, and even though there are some singers, like, I say, like, Whitney Houston, or even, say, Jill Scott, like, but these people have very big personalities, and, like, not to say anything about somebody's personality and, and whatnot, but, like, I feel like, jasmine sullivan isn't whitney houston like if you listen to her um interviews and stuff like she has a really hard time like articulating her concepts and like her creative direction like her interviews are kind of boring like i like people people don't really know who she is like she doesn't really give you a whole 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 lot of personality but you know she's a up you like you know and you know that she's like a cool person like I would like to hang out with her like I don't look at her and think oh she would probably be boring to hang out with like no like she'd probably be loads of fun but it doesn't translate well in an industry that's like that relies heavily on like superstardom and like big personalities um and also, like, big performers, like, you know, like, Rihanna is kind of, like, timid, and, like, kind of quiet, but Rihanna is, like, a performer, like, you know, she does, like, the theatrics, and, you know, she, she gets on in her interviews, and on Instagram, and stuff, and she's just, like, she has a a different, she's like a pop star, and she sort of takes the persona of a pop star and it translates very well. Where I don't think that that happens for Jasmine Sullivan. I think it should, like, it should have happened because she had all these people, like you said, love and every, all these other major, like, heavy hitters. She was heavily produced by Missy Elliott, like, very early on. She probably still is. She is. 100% like top tier talent nobody can out sing her but she is very comfortable in her own private space and it like Jasmine Sullivan will put out an album and then not for like five years and not only will she not put out an album but like she won't be doing nothing or maybe she'll be doing something but like nobody on earth knows about it you know what I'm saying like I think at one point in time she was doing some real like body positive stuff and every now and again you would see her on like some kind of publication for like body positivity but that was every once in a while but I think she spends a lot of her time like in silo like outside of like public the public face that she's forgotten about and, like, her fans, like me, like, I listen to Jasmine Sullivan all the time. I love Bust Your Windows. I love, you know, her reggae tunes. Like, she will do a good reggae tune. And, like, she can sing anything. So I listen to her all the time. But, like, I can't support her if she ain't doing shows or if she can't do If she ain't doing music or if only God knows what it, what she's doing, you know, because she's not, like, in the public light like that and so I think that is one of the reasons why she doesn't really you know have the superstardom as like a beyonce or as a Rihanna or as a whoever because that's not really what she gives like she gives a roundaway girl with an, with an, with an amazing talent that will put on the album every five years and then go back into hiding.
1: I <clears throat> like the way you put it you know what i'm saying she she definitely be in her own world but
0: yeah you're doing her own thing and i know that like this with this last album this is the last thing i'm gonna say about it but before this last album she did reveal that her mom had breast cancer and so she did this album like while dealing with her with family issues and her mom like going through chemo and stuff like that so she's like heavily invested in her own personal life and her own family which is which is how it should be but I think we all know and understand that like the life of a superstar doesn't really afford you those sort of luxuries you know I'm saying like superstars have to sort of forego family issues and personal stuff for the sake of their stardom and like music and I think she chooses her personal life and creates you know as she goes when it makes sense you know and that's i think that's kind of what she that's the kind of that's the, that's what she kind of is operating in that she's operating in that space
1: all right. well all the best to jasmine sullivan i, I like the okay. songs on hotels i like the way she spelled ho ho you know, she spelled it like you know what I'm saying, like them, like them people from Louisiana. No, great thing. Uh,
0: because I thought it always sounds like hotels, like like Holiday Inn or like you know Marriott.
1: Nah, she spelled whole She it wasn't hotels like Holiday Inn, y'all. She spelled whole and tails, but ho spelled like h e a u x and tails t a l e s. So. I hope you listening.
0: We hope you listen to us. We love you, and we want to hear more from you. And we can't wait till the pandemic clears, the uh, Pontiac G6 clears, so that we can see you perform live.
1: Yay! Already, and and if I ever see a live, I want to hear her do uh, a song, "Mascara." I love that song. That that, that song is uh, a song is pretty dope.
0: I love that song so much. I want to hear her do "I Need You Bad" because you know I'm a I'm a huge reggae fanatic, and you know I I would love to hear a big <laughs> reggae.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we have literally been. This is this is a great episode. We did a good job. Yeah. We stayed on. I had to pick one one for movies corner, but you know that was a real quick one.
1: It's all good. It's all good. Well, I mean, dope episode. Um, are you, you know, saying comfortable with saying your piece and dipping, or is there any last final thoughts that you have?
0: Are you prepping me for something? What is that? What kind of question is that?
1: I'm asking you, uh, like, what are you? are you have any final thoughts? I don't, doing, are we doing, we're not doing a beard episode, are we? I don't think so. Okay. So are you having, do you have any final thoughts or anything else that we should touch on before we tell anybody, t- tell our listeners that we out into the next episode?
0: I mean, if you have final thoughts, I can piggyback off of
1: your final thoughts. Okay, well, I just say this, and I this is probably gonna be real. This is gonna be real quick. Like I know we touched on Juice and the Black Messiah, but it was another good movie that came out that I that I really wanted to give a shout out to because I just really just want to shout out. We got it's Black History Month, so we got to shout out uh, our our black uh, storytellers, our black creatives, our black influencers, our black um, innovators. Man, I'm giving Black History Month, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to the 21. This month, I'm giving my roses to Regina King. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Regina King, for those who are familiar, man, one of the dopest, uh actresses in the game, been in the game since she was a, a kid herself, you know what I'm saying? Back in the 80s. And, you know what I'm saying? She recently... Direct, uh, put out her first her, had a directorial debut. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. So she recently had a directorial debut. Uh, Regina King did with uh, One Night in Miami, and for those who aren't familiar, you know, saying One Night in Miami was about the historic night uh, that. Uh, Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, and Malcolm X all got together in a hotel room and just basically, you know what I'm saying, had a, you know, sent a kickback in the room and just talked about uh, several things. Now, nobody actually knows everything that they talked about, but it was a good depiction of what that night could have been like in Miami with all those different uh, people at the peak of their, like, fame and, you know, in the peak of their life. And, you know what I'm saying, Muhammad Ali, new champion of the world, just changed his name, new boxing heavyweight champion of the world, just changed his name. Uh, you had Sam Cooke, who was one of the biggest soul singers in the in the world at the time, you know what I'm saying, uh, and he was starting his own, you know, you know. label and whatnot. And uh, you had Jim Brown, who was uh, was at the time people were considered the greatest running back in NFL, in the in the NFL, in the NFL history. You know, he was at towards the tail end of his career, but a very short, successful career. And of course you had Malcolm X, one of the biggest uh, leaders in the movement for for uh, a movement for black people in america at the time when he was with the nation of islam right before he was about to leave and it was just a dope movie uh shout out to her for, for finally getting that on the screen because it was a stage play but man Regina king been killing the game for like years and i just wanted to just show love to her because that's a movie i need to check out on amazon prime but you look at Regina king over the years man she's been in so many movies all the way from. Poetic Justice and Boys in the Hood, uh, Friday. Love and Hate, mm-hmm. Uh She was in This Christmas at Bill Street, could talk. I mean, mm-hmm. 227 early in life. And you know what I'm saying? I always, one of the craziest things, I always looked at and and oh, I can't forget that she was the voice of Riley and Huey Freeman on the Boondocks. Yeah. I always look at Regina King, I'm like, she probably cool as hell because I remember, like Jamie Foxx, one of his stand-up comedian, uh, one, stand-up comedian Jamie Foxx, one of his comedy specials. He talked about him being in a, in Vegas and you know him about to him about to get into some people and how he had to calm down Regina King because she was like, "What? They they messing with you?" and she was ready to like fight. He had to calm her down because she was so ride or die, she seen him in trouble, she was just ready to like, you know, Hilarious. if anybody could get it, like, who wants these hands? And I'm just like, I knew she was a real one, but, you know what I'm saying, it's just, she done did so much in her career, man, as far as like acting and directing, for her to have her first film hit the, hit the screen, uh, one night in Miami this year, and then, uh, you know what I'm saying, just celebrating, like, all the work that she's done, and that she gonna continue to do. I mean, the list of movies just go on and on and on. She was in House, still got a groove back. She was in Jerry Maguire, high learning. She was in Friday. I mean, it just go. She literally been a part of our lives on TV for the last thirty some years, and I think you know. I just want to... roses. I'm giving Rose to Regina King. Y'all support her. One Night in Miami was a dope movie. You gotta see that. Now for people who haven't seen One Night in Miami, this is not just a total like biographical or nonfiction. Mm-hmm. This is this is what people think it was like when these four people actually came together and probably what that night went like. There are some details that are true, but a lot of these details are kind of just the imagination of like how would Malcolm X talk to Muhammad Ali and how would he talk to Sam Cooke or how would mm-hmm. I interact with all these people in one room? And it's been confirmed that they all hung out but nobody knows the full details because that was a moment that they all shared privately and but everybody knew that they were together because people came to see Muhammad Ali fight that weekend in Miami. It's a dope movie, but if I, I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this right here. Black History Month. If you see Regina King now and it, when it comes to some movies or some TV shows, something like that, it's probably going to be a dope movie or TV show you don't want to miss. So that's my shout out to her.
0: Agreed. And I second that. I just recently watched binge watched this um, series called Watchmen on HBO Max. And when I tell y'all, like, I was enthralled and like, in Encapsulated and completely like invested in the show. Regina King is the main character. She plays like a cop and it's like a vigilante type of show. And it's comic book, it's really comic book heavy. And I didn't think I would like it. But when I started watching it, I thought she was incredible. I agree. One night in Miami, was um amazing she also played in a series called seven seconds on netflix that like you know and i think she wasn't she also on that show the series um i think she's on that show called american crime i feel like she was it was a a a, a yeah, like yeah
1: she was on there
0: Yeah so she plays in a lot of things and I 100% agree every time I see Regina King's name listed as like you know playing in the film she's a beautiful person like she's 50 and she looks like 27 like we talk about black don't crack and just give it up for beautiful black women and men who don't age You know what I'm saying? Long as they ain't living no hard life, you know, bless their heart, bless those it is. But for the most part, like even if you're living a hard life, you know, you it probably just give you 10 more years. Like you probably don't give you your full age. It probably just give you 10 years. And the rest of us, you know, we give us it take off 10 years. But anywho, so I just want to give a shout out to all the beautiful black people in the whole entire world. And, you know we appreciate y'all we love y'all you know get in the sun more so that you can like glow and then people look at your skin as a work of art and your hair no matter what the texture is or what color it is is beautiful your skin no matter what color it is is beautiful you know you are special and you are unique and you are useful and you are worthy and you know what I'm saying you are a part of very historic movement. And you know, black is beautiful. Like let's just be happy to be
1: black. Hey, we happy to be black. So get out in the sun, like Bowie. Yes. Say what?
0: I said yes. Get out in the sun. Yes.
1: But <laughs> hey, but you know the nighttime is the right time. Okay. that's that's what that's what regina was singing on in ray she she did the baby didn't she she
0: did she did the baby in ray you know what's interesting is like the (laughs) this is real strange but like the ray oh never mind no this just forget it but yes i loved her performance in ray and ray i love her performance in everything there was not i have not watched anything of hers that i did not enjoy So shout out to her. She has
1: Gina mm-hmm. Well, it's been, it's been confirmed.
0: <laughs> she is the GOAT. Hopefully she can get some awards this season.
1: Hey, she need all the recognition, all that claim that goes out to you know directors and actresses. We need all of it. She's gonna get these roses while she can smell them already. Agreed.
0: All right, perfect. What a great way to end um, our very fun, very cool Afrocentric Black History Month episode of As a Matter of Black.
1: Already. So we kept it all the way black, black, then blacker than black, 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 y'all.
0: The blackest <laughs> episode we've ever done. <laughs>
1: Hey, it don't get no blacker than this, you know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, Next month we'll be we'll be black
0: with another episode.
1: We so black it hurts sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? Already well, I'm Bali and I'm out. It's your favorite. It's your favorite sibling, Big Bro, the blackest blackest brother you know out there. I'm blacker than the bread of heaven, overcome than the breakfast tofu. Come on, y'all. Oh, boy.
0: And I'm Bowie. You know, I'm just regular black. You know what I'm saying? I keep it black all the time, but, you know, I ain't the blackest person you know, but I'm just regular black. And, you know, we'll just we'll see y'all. We'll see y'all next time, I guess. Peace. <laughs> all right, peace. <laughs>